Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a mindset shift and it's a definition that you have to first embrace. So authenticity is not simply being yourself. It's also not transparency and actually authenticity, if you you want to use it as your strategic advantage and you want to use it in the right way, is actually not about you. They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock, taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. What's up, what's up, peeps? Hello, everybody. It's uh, about 20 of yours favorite podcast. That's mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that rock. You think you're joking. <laughs> Where uh, we tackle uh, interesting challenges that uh, people want answers to, and our guests give amazing thoughts that rock as how to approach those things. Yeah, and you know where we are super huge right now in the world? Where? South Korea. Yes, we are. Honestly, I just saw on uh, our chartable, yep. we dropped a 64th, but we yep. were like 40 something in the whole, in the yeah. whole country. Yeah. We're big. We're a big deal in, in South Korea. Yes. I think it's because of your book, isn't it? It probably is. It probably is. Black sheep is huge in South Korea. Yes. To my South Korean friends, Morioke Mudupai, which is head, shoulders, knees, and toes. It's the other <laughs> Korean I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think we should get everybody. That's literally all I man. I want that clip. Yeah. Right. I want that clip for sure. (laughs) We're pretty excited uh, because the topic that we picked um, for this week was what exactly how to use authenticity as your strength advantage or strategic advantage. Yeah. We've had people talk about authenticity before, but to actually use it as a superpower, as a strategic advantage. Yeah. We're just lucky that we actually had an expert. Somebody who's got a lot of expertise on this, talks about it regularly. It's our uh, yep. new friend now, yep. Aaron Hatsikostas. Hatsikostas. That's how you, you're, you're saying it like the Greeks do. And yeah. in New England, we would say Hatsikostas. Hatsikostas. Right. That's right. We, we had to have a little bit of education Aaron from Aaron. She walked us through that. Yeah, she's a uh, former corporate CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's a TEDx keynote speaker. Yep. She's an author of the book You Do You Ish. Yes. And she's a podcast co host with her podcast, which I love because work doesn't have to suck. <laughs> so it's just nice to have somebody who uh, could come in here and talk a little bit about, uh, you know, three specific actionable things on how you can use authenticity to you know, have some strategic advantage over whatever it is in your life. It was fun. It was a fun conversation. We think you guys are going to love it. Check it out. Yay. There she is. Fantastic. Aaron Hatsikostas. Nailed it. It is. We had a whole conversation before we started. I was like, how do we say her name? And she came with 
Hatsikastas. Hatsikastas. That's right. It, it, it was very, very felt Manchester-y. It did. It was a little, little, little Boston-esque there. That's really good. And her maiden name was Davis. We were that, like, that right. would have been easier for us. But fine, Erin, it's fine. I'm so Let's glad, guys, we're conference. having this this first conversation ever about my crazy last name. You've yes. you really found a hidden nobody is, Nobody's <laughs> ever had that with you before, I'm sure. You're like, oh, this is the first right. time we've ever struggled. Let's take Davis like, and add 12 consonants. Let's do that and see what happens. <laughs> yes. And this is what we get. You get the quintessential Hasty Costas. We are thrilled, absolutely thrilled that you're here. And I'm sure when people were looking at the topic and, and today we're going to talk about how to actually use authenticity as your strategic advantage, I think it's a very cool Love approach because we've had people talk about totally. authenticity, but yeah, we haven't had a, you know an expert in this field, both as a best-selling author and what you currently do and even doing TEDx talks. I mean, that's pretty, pretty exciting for us. So Honestly, Aaron, we're going to just turn it right over to you and let you run the show, basically. What is your first thought that rocks on this topic? Yeah. Um, so the first thought that rocks is it's a mindset shift and it's a definition that you have to first embrace. So authenticity is not simply being yourself. It's also not transparency and actually authenticity, if you, you want to use it as your strategic advantage and you want to use it in the right way is actually not about you. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, Talk about, is it about Jim? Shall I unpack that? Shall is, I unpack Is it that? about Jim? Because we find that most <laughs> things here are about Jim. <laughs> oh my gosh. Truth. Well, so so the best way to give you guys context, right, is to tell a, tell a story. And, you know, for me, you know, I was, I was a corporate nine to niner, you know, for yep. many, many years and sort of bobbed and weaved and found myself in, uh, you know, this sounds really pretentious, but found myself in the CEO position. I, I had joined a subsidiary company of a larger parent company. It was a company of about a thousand people. And, um, you know, basically every time somebody would leave because it was an acquisition, so the entrepreneurs got, you know, itchy really quick, uh, they would sort of look look around and be like, oh, maybe maybe give it to Aaron. And they were <laughs> dumb enough to do this so many times that they they put me in the CEO position. And nice. it sounds sexy, but it it wasn't. The company was kind of a laughing stock at that point in time. They had screwed up the the integration, the transition pretty badly. It was your your classic, mm -hmm. like let's let's buy this sexy, cool company, and then let's give them no money or resources to do it well. And then let's be pissed at them for, you know, screwing up our, our bigger company. It's fun. Um, and so we had several years, flat earnings, bad morale. Um, I, I knew several people were like, really, you're, you, you know, you're pretty brave to take on that role. And honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I, I was not uh, born and bred. I'm from Northern Michigan. My parents were teachers. I, you know, I didn't go to Harvard. Like, I, you know, I, I had nothing on my resume that said qualified, you know, to, to be CEO. And yet, um, in just the three years that I ran the company, we found ourselves uh, taking earnings that were flat for four or five years and tripling them. Uh, employee engagement went up 12 percentage points, which is not a coincidence, right? People want to win and you're happier when you're mm -hmm. winning. And sure. we had all this, this great success. And despite the success, though, to be honest, I would look 
look around quite literally, because this is when we would go to meetings, and, you know, monthly operating reviews. Every month I'd be sitting next to my peers, kind of looking to my left and right and saying, when am I going to be found out? And um, it wasn't your typical like imposter syndrome. I'd gotten the memo on that long ago, you know, lean in and mm-hmm. sort of pretend, you know, and, and be a little bit uncomfortable. You'll figure it out. But it was more that I wasn't sacrificing as much as them. You know, I wasn't jumping on a plane every single week for, you know, steak dinners and wine with clients and potential customers. I wasn't moving my family. I had a friend that moved her family three times in, in five years, you know, to, to sort of take on different roles. I wasn't you know, giving up vacations. I wasn't, you know, all these things. And I worked hard, but I was like, crap, like, when's my luck going to be around, run out or when I'm going to be found out? Because we're having all this success, right? And it wasn't until I decided to retire, I got itchy, scratchy, just felt like corporate wasn't going to be able to scratch anymore. It was a weird time to leave because things were actually really well. But when I went to leave, people kept saying to me, I will miss your authentic leadership. And it wasn't like I was surprised they called me authentic. I wasn't like, who me, right? But it was the first time I'd been pinned with this sort of consistent badge and after, you know, the repetition kept coming through, I had this realization and it was that I wasn't going to be found out that I was actually playing a different game mm-hmm. than the rest of my peers. And it wasn't one moment. It took me a while to unpack. It, it took me sitting down to write a book. It took me, you know, you, you know, this, this reflection isn't done, you know, sitting in the bleachers of a hockey practice, you know, or, you know reading one message from somebody. But what I realized upon reflection was that I had actually quite all my life, I get it from my father, it started there, but I had purposely been authentic because it was a series of experiments in which I realized, again, subconsciously then, or unconsciously, now consciously, that when I was authentic, I would attract the best talent. Because right? word got out on the street that like working for this executive, Aaron, is very different than working for others. I, you know, I caught the attention of executives when I would go into a quarterly business review and tell a story or not bullshit them that everything was green and yellow and actually yeah. tell them that we had areas where we were struggling that were red. Um, yeah. They trusted me or even in negotiations, a big part of our turnaround is we had some a couple major negotiations. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't some cutthroat, you know, negotiator. But I had used authenticity to create sort of the connection and understanding what they needed. And, and that had gotten us to a good result. So what I realized, and this is what like why I say is your strategic advantage. For me, I think it was almost a survival. Like I don't have all these other things or maybe I'm not willing to do these other things. So I need a different strategy. But I also was, you know, sort of given this view of my father when he was you know teaching and then in real estate he was always so authentic and he did so well and and so what i realized is that it was a different game it was actually something sort of strategic and it was something much more nuanced than walking into mm-hmm. work like i was walking into you know a pool party you guys had invite me to like there was something much more nuanced and that's why the first thing i always teach when i do talks and everything and and for your listeners is first to help you understand like the root word is authenticos, which of course is Greek. And it means to be genuine, but it also means to be original and authoritative. And so there's this 
this complex where you're kind of being yourself, but you're being kind of badass. You know, I, I joke in the TED Talk, it's sort of like if Kamala Harris and Joe Exotic had a baby together. Um, you know, <laughs> Good Lord. You know, oh, right? Can you imagine? <laughs> what is that, <laughs> what is that monster? Um, <laughs> so once people, and this clicks for people, and I hope it does for your listeners, it sounds so like studious and silly, but once you realize that authenticity, what I say is it's about exposing who you are when people least expect it, in the service of others. So when you start to do it as a way to buck against the norm, and especially in the corporate business world, to not just ride the tide that'll take you down the like corporate talking points that I could easily have done as an executive leader or the buzzwords or the perfect agenda. Instead, you just show a little bit more of who you are. You tell stories, et cetera. Um, when you think about it, as a way to connect and it's something you're giving to others and you're also giving a permission, of course, the benefits all come right back mm. to you. Yeah. Well, this is right up your alley. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I think when we, so, so a lot of the work that Brant does, and you can talk about your own work here, but I know that you are seeking out helping people discover or them choosing what their values are and authenticity happens to be one of our core values. And I think because all three of us are actually speakers, certainly there's a little bit of showmanship when you get on stage. You kind of have to, you know, I'm going to amp it up a little bit, be a little bit louder, more aggressive, you know, mm. that, that bringing the thunder is just because that edutainment is what gets people to pay attention to you more. But I think when you get off stage, you are, you know, for the most part, what you were up on stage. Um, I, I think that authenticity really resonates with people. And I know, not that on purpose, I don't think I'm out there going, what I'm doing right now is authentic. I'm just trying to be myself. And you made a great point there. And I think you wind up start attracting the right people, whether they're going to work with you or they're your friends, that inner circle become authentic people to you as well. But this is the work that you do. I mean, connection is certainly, yeah. which is some other language that, that Aaron was just using, right? Yeah. I mean, for me... A couple of things really resonated, Aaron. One is is this idea of being original, right? And I think that mm -hmm. that is uh, something we all struggle with because the world doesn't want originals. Uh, as much as we say we want it, uh, spending 20 years in the music business, nobody wants an original band, even though that's what every record executive tells you they're looking for the next original. Uh, what they're looking for is the next band that sounds like Foo Fighters or the next band that mm -hmm. sounds like, uh, you know, artists that sounds like Taylor Swift. They want to compare it to something. And when you're original, there is no comparison. And so the work that, that I do centers around if you really want to be authentic, you can't be authentic until you know what your non-negotiable values are. Because otherwise, you're just giving people a reflection of what matters to them, and there's nothing to do with you. Um, okay. And so the the art of authenticity is sifting through all the things that you deem really important and, and narrowing it down to what your non-negotiables are. When you start living by those non-negotiable values, you don't just connect. You, you, you have meaningful connection, and that meaningful connection allows you to resonate with people in a different way. And it's why I think the people that um, you led in your organization 
recognize that is mm-hmm. because they recognize the authenticity and the fact that they're connecting with things that are core to you. And so it's a more meaningful connection as opposed to something that is important to the organization or maybe important in the idea of what success might look like. Um, they're connecting much deeper because you are leading through these non-negotiables, which are original to you. Yeah. Yeah. And just to comment on that whole original and what people, you know, sort of in the music business, right. You can replicate that for the publishing business. You can replicate that for the, I'm seeking out an executive to run, you know, one of our divisions. They, um, they have been conditioned to look for the patterns, right. The, the Taylor Swift's the, Mm -hmm. but that, but they have tremendous, regret when they don't, they don't see the ones that come in and original and, and the results. And, you know, so like a little Nas X, right. It would be an example of yep. like somebody that just like broke through and says, I'm not country. I'm not R and B. I'm not hip, right. Yeah. Hip hop. Yep. And now in hindsight, we're all like brilliant, you know, yeah. everybody should do that. But then once it's, it's too late and w- especially, you know, where I sit in the corporate world, but I'd say for anybody is people will tell you all the time, or maybe they won't, maybe they'll sort of, sort of face value, but mm-hmm. the system says like a publisher might say, we want original, sure. but then you've heard from 80,000 other people that all they're looking for is the next Mel Robbins, et cetera. That's right. Um, they, you think they might want the pattern, the playbook, the normal, but if you have the guts to just go out on the ledge and be in that gap for a little bit and experiment, once mm-hmm. you start getting results, so in the corporate world, that might be financial results or, you know, retention of your staff, if that's been an issue. Or, you know, in the publishing world, of course, that might be book sales. Um, once you start getting the results, they don't then they don't give two craps about how you do it. And so I think the people that do say we're going to be original and I'm not going to be original just to be like, oh, look at me. I'm so different, but I'm going to do it because I know people are craving it. And people yeah. are craving originality, right? I mean, that's why we see in social media, I always laugh when people are like, the algorithms are changing. I'm like, bullshit, the algorithms aren't changing. People are sick of the same stuff. And so yeah. they crave something original and new. They're sick of, yeah. you know, an Instagram, they might be sick of the the dances uh, on the reels, or they might be sick of the long dramatic posts that started, you know, when people started almost blog posts. That was that was cool for a little while. It wasn't that, It wasn't some man behind the mirror that changed it, the algorithm that changed it. It was people that yeah. said, okay, I'm really, that was cool for a while, but I'm kind of sick and tired of it. So, yeah. you know, I just would, I would push your audience to, to say that the original component is so, so important. It's actually, I have six principles of strategic authenticity. It spells mm. humans. The you is unexpected and it's so freaking powerful. If you want to get people's attention, if you, whether that's in a meeting or it's a book or it's a business, like you have to be a little bit unexpected. And yeah. that's how they, there's a, there's whole science, neuroscience behind it. Um, but being original, being that unexpected is the best way to, to gain people's attentions in this noisy world and, and actually, you know, pave a path that doesn't just align with your core values, but actually is fun because it's, it's different. It's new and other people are craving that new and different. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's funny because, uh, the, you know, I was lucky enough to work for a company that this was literally baked into their, their mission statement, their values. They live by this. So I, you know, I was 21 years at hard rock 
And when I was working mm-hmm. at the Hard Rock, it was in the mid '90s. So I was there about halfway through the lifespan um, that that brand's been been going on. But literally, when you have words like "we create authentic experiences that rock," if you don't go out there and create that differentiation, if you're not focused on being hmm. authentic and original and and absolutely different, like they would talk about irreverence and unpredictability as part of the hmm. experience. Because we know for a fact the dude next door isn't going to do it, and and people expect it, maybe a little bit more in the past because it was raw, it was rock and roll, it was muddy, it was cool, it was different. But when you can give people something different than what they were expecting, you're going to win. And I think, you know, maybe now brands have to, companies have to go out of their way to do it, and and whatever authentic looks like to them. Um, and, and more power on them. I am looking for different. I, I, I totally agree with you, Aaron. I think people crave different. They crave authenticity. I just say, serve it up. If you can do that, that's fantastic. Some, it might feel a little bit odd at first, but if you can do that as a company or as an individual coming right out of the gate, I personally believe you're going to win. And me personally, as a consumer, I'm attracted to that stuff. I, I am, I'm an experiential starved consumer constantly on the hunt for differentiation. And when you treat me different than everybody else, loyalty, like you're getting my money, you're Mm -hmm. getting my time, you're getting my first look, you're getting all that stuff. So I think what you're saying is, uh, is fantastic. It's good. And, And by the way, we will, uh, we'll be right back after this message. Welcome to the wellness driven life show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living. Uh, what What is uh, your second thought that rocks, Aaron? So the second thought that rocks, I, I thought it'd be helpful. I have, as I mentioned, I have uh, something I call the six principles of strategic authenticity and humans is the acronym. And the, you know, first I'll say, you know, when I had that epiphany that authenticity was kind of my strategic advantage, not only did it help turn around the company, but m- made my life better. I got super excited. And then I was like, oh crap, like how do you teach authenticity? That's an oxymoron. Um, (laughs) But what I realized is that one, you can't completely teach it, but people need training wheels. I want to say, especially in the corporate world, because that's where I sit mostly, but I would say in the entrepreneurial world as well, the current is so strong sometimes to follow the playbook, to do things normal, to do things quote unquote right, right? To have the perfect agenda, to have a board meeting where the talking points are, you know, planned and, and perfected. Um, the current is so, so strong against authenticity in some ways that what, what humans does is it gives you a way to start paddling against that current. And, you know, so it stands for humility, unexpected, model, adapt, narrate, and spark. So for the second one, I thought I would just hone in on one of those principles, because these aren't like fluffy BS that you read in like some Forbes authentic leadership (laughs) article. It drives me insane. Like I, 
you know, of course I Google or all that stuff because I want to read it and, and share it. But, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm like, this is a bunch of BS. Nobody's going to read this article and do anything different. They're, you know, yeah. you have to be servant and you have to be caring. And it's like, yeah, all they want to do is shove, shove this article up their, probably their <laughs> boss's butt, you know? Um, so all of my humans, I always say that they're, they're verbs. They're probably not really verbs, but they're like actionable. And so humility is the first one. And what I would, you know, tell your listeners is start to find ways to use humility or a humility moment um, as a way to create that connection and trust. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know, a lot of times when we have introductions, uh, especially again, in interviews in the corporate world and interviewing business development meetings, uh, a new executive comes in, we're, we're, we're lazy and we also ride that normal current. And so when they're like, tell me about yourself, you're like, you know, oh, most people are like, oh, I spent 15 years in project management and then I moved over to the product side and I did blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, nobody's listening, especially if you're at a big round table because they're all they're thinking about is what they're going to say. And it's like a regurgitation of your, your boring resume. And it's a huge missed opportunity to make a great first connection. And so what I sort of have people do is work on, and this is sort of a 301 versus a 101, but I actually have them purposely start to talk about humility stories. And so they just kind of catalog. I'm like, you know, what did you fail at? Did you, you know, what happened yesterday that embarrassed you? Like we all have a bazillion humility stories. And I help them actually craft that into their intriguing intro. So it's, it's it becomes this arc where you start with something that people wouldn't expect. Um, but then you bring it into what I call a big brag. So then there's the authoritative part of it, right? So you're not just some schmuck that's, you know, being open and honest and you arc it into your big brag and then you sort of bring it to what's in it for them. And I will tell you, even at simplest form, even if you're, you're not talking about this more formal 301 intriguing intro, if you can start to think about using humility, um, as a way to gain that trust and connection, let's say you jump on a Zoom meeting, uh, you're meeting somebody new, you're, you're talking to somebody about a board position, I, you know, a, a new potential client, weaving in in that first, I would say, five minutes max, organically, you know, something where you, you, you expose that, you know, you just realized you had dried yogurt in your hair, or I, I don't know, there's a million ways, right? is the best way to have people bring their guard down to create a connection um, to also just have them trust you. Cause they're like, well, if they're telling me this, they don't need to tell me about the dried yogurt in the hair. Like they're probably not going to hide anything else. And it cannot be underestimated in all forms in your LinkedIn profile, in your business communications and emails. I, I, I see it much, I'm seeing it more and more in the entrepreneurial world, but you, you know, there's just so many opportunities to, to weave in that humility sort of on purpose, but with sincerity to, you know, to, to really garner that, that great connection. Yeah. I love that. I think it's, you know, it's a challenge in, uh, especially in our line of work, uh, of, of being keynote speakers and being hired uh, for a bunch of money to come in and, and speak at a conference. While they want the irreverence and they want the, 
the impact, uh, they also don't want the risk. And so, um, I think it's with careful consideration, uh, as you're saying that the things that you share, uh, you want to be relevant and, um, real and in in the Instagram, you know, the Instagram world that we live in where everybody's sort of showing their best side at all times, um, we're conditioned to want that perfection and it's just not true or real. However, that doesn't mean that people want to see it. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's interesting when you're curating a brand and, and in our instances, the brand is us. Um, it's, it's really, really important and careful. Um, the things that we choose to share. Um, I, I love the idea of using humility in a strategic way. Um, Mm -hmm. as long as the humility is not calculated. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's the, that's the, the tricky part. Um, if you go into it, uh, um, in sharing something that's real, like you did, you got a, you know, you've got Cheerios in your hair because you were trying to rush and get the kids fed in the morning, whatever that looks like. Um, that's real. And I love that, uh, uh, idea. I think the danger comes, uh, how would you sort of encourage people to be intentional, but don't be calculated? How, how, how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, I think one, that's why I say it's, um, it's purposeful, but sincere. Yeah. I think that, um, one, it's just about listening and observing, first of all, your own faults. And, and quite frankly, just like stories kind of having them catalogs in your brain, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. if, you know, you could have them on your phone or stuff, but, um, you know, storytelling so powerful. The first thing is, it, first rule is to just observe, right. And catalog yeah. those. So I think it's the same with humility have that sort of catalog so that when you're exposing something, it's, it's relevant. It's not like offbeat, um, you know, that you have a bunch of things sort of to, to draw from, but I'm telling you guys, you know this, but like start to observe it for you guys and for your listeners. When you do that on a call, especially when it's not expected. I remember when I was, when I first started my business, I'm on a, a board of a company and I was interv- interviewing with, for other board seats. I've sort of decided like one is enough, but you know, these are pretty stuffy, no offense, right? Private equity firms, venture capital firms. Uh, they don't usually come to a meeting expecting much. And as soon as, you know, it was just as simple as like when they're like, tell me about yourself. And I usually, you know, start my story about how I started corporate America and how I, um, you know, I tell this story about how I found my way into the actuarial profession. And, and then I, you know, I do it in various ways on stage. It's a little bit funnier, but with them, I would be like, yeah. And over the next three years, you know, I took eight exams and failed eight exams, you know, and they're like, huh, like you're coming in for an interview and you're telling me about this huge failure. But if I just stopped at that, then But then when I go tell them that I went on and became CEO of this company, three years, I tripled earnings, um, you know, play engagement up 12 percentage points, a couple of things happen. One, they're human, they're they're rooting for me. You know, if I just come in, and I'm like, I was an awesome CEO, and I turned this company around, like nobody's rooting for me. I don't care how much they want somebody good. Um, But now that I've said, hey, I started off, I didn't quite go into the right profession, didn't match my Myers-Briggs, like, you know, yeah, couldn't sit in a room and study. uh, But, you know, here's what I did do. And here's a a lot of times, you know, here's why I tell you this, 
I tell you this so that you know that if you work with me, blah, 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 right? There's usually a lesson in that humility moment um, that you can draw to sort of what's in it for them. So, you know, back to your back to your question, I think um, there is a little bit of just practice and repetition and machine learning of your own. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. you know, I've done this long enough. I've uh, I've worked with C-suites. Uh, I've worked with leadership groups. I've worked with military, special military ops. Um, I've collected enough data, not just for myself, but with them that, that they just love what it does when they're given a little permission to let something like that loose. And the, the change mm -hmm. of the face, I have stories galore about, you know, mm -hmm. stuffy executives going from pursing their lips to smiling and, and telling stories about the pies that their grandmother made um, all because they just, just opened up a little bit and uh, didn't, you know, didn't come onto the meeting like the normal standard. Sorry, I'm a few minutes late, right? Instead came out of the meeting and said, sorry, I was taking my, my mother's pies out of the oven. Just little changes like that. Little tiny changes yeah. like that, yep. where you're just bucking the bullshit norm, you know, points just provides an opening that, uh, that, that can change everything. I think it's a good question. Um, and I was just thinking about this. I think when Aaron's talking about humility moments, and I guess if you're not thinking about the end result, like if I be humble in this moment, this is what's going to happen. This will be cool. But the reality is, unless you're you're brought up that way, and, and again, I'm a big believer that you learn everything from your parents and school and religion or lack thereof or whatever. Observing. There are just yeah. some people that are going to be humble. That's just part of their nature. But I think for you, and it is funny that you, you go teaching humility, it does feel like an oxymoron, but the reality is people need to be taught a little bit more humility. And I just, there are a couple things that I remember, even when I would be in an executive meeting, I never gave my title ever. If somebody said, what is it that you do? I go, I head up training and development. I have an awesome mm -hmm. team of people. Humility, humility. I don't need the title to hold that power. I would rather talk about other people. Um, you know, in a previous life when I was, I was certified to teach the seven habits of highly effective people, we actually talked about humility and, and about listening. And I think some of my favorite leaders in that company or any company for that matter, are the ones that maybe just keep their yapper shut half the time, you know, and every once in a while when they, when they really make a point or statement, it's like, whoa, Joey just, yeah, l listen to what he just said or she said, because I do think when you can, have that abundance mentality. There's enough for everybody. I care more about their success than mine. And, and, you know, and that doesn't mean when people come to you and ask you questions or it's time for you to shine, we will bring it, you know, that that's when we mm -hmm. are on stage. But I think you can be intentional in thinking about these things. How can I be of service to other people, which is really what your, your second point is anyway, and still have some phenomenal consequences and not make it feel conceited or contrived or, or what was the word you were saying? Like it was, it's deliberate in such a way yeah. that you're trying to yeah. get yeah, calculated. Yeah. You, you want something to happen. Listen, that's an awesome byproduct. I just think you could be intentional about it. And we need a little bit more of that in this world, yeah. I think. Yeah. So and it's pretty hard to be honest for somebody to be like, you are so calculated with that humility moment. Cause humility moment is <laughs> like, you're, it's stupid. You shit, haven't hung right? around like with enough speakers. You've done. <laughs> Uh, well, that's probably why I don't. Um, I think she has. <laughs> why I'm on vacation for every summer conference. Go to a, um, go, go to one of those conferences, and uh, you'll hear about 
you know, 80% calculated moments. Yeah. Sorry. No. That's, why, yeah. that's why we don't and, go. And people, and people sniff that out, right? They, 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 yeah, they, they completely <laughs> sniff that out if it's part of the, the formula. And, and you, so you're absolutely right. Like I'm, I'm teaching a formula, but I'm telling you to be sincere. It's, 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 you know, in the speaking world, uh, I agree. That's a different thing. I think yeah. in the corporate world, the, the bar is also so low in, you know, yeah, some yeah. of the settings in which I'm talking to people. That yeah. sounds horrible, but like, you don't have to be dramatic or yeah. fancy with your humility moment because yeah. the bar's so low because yeah. everything else is just so vanilla, right? Yeah. I love, you know, we have a good friend, Vin Jang, who, who teaches communication. Um, and one of the things he talks about is, is creating opportunities for meaningful connection. Right. And so like what you're doing Mm -hmm. by creating that, uh, showing that humility is Mm -hmm. you're giving people an opportunity to meaningfully connect like, oh gosh, yeah, I just, you know, whatever, whatever that was, you give them an opportunity to connect to that moment, which maybe they weren't thinking you experienced or you live this different life or you have that made. And, you know, now all of a sudden, oh, well, I I had that happen to me yesterday. And, and without even realizing it, you are, you are creating a stronger bond because of Mm -hmm. the narrative, right? Because of the story that you told, it wasn't just, yeah, I'm here. I'm ready. It's yeah, I'm here. I'm ready. And I got a kid hanging on my leg and, you know, I spilled a a bowl of cereal and I did this and they're like, Oh shit. You know, I just, that happened to me yesterday. Yeah. I totally can't stand that. I'm just like you, right? You humanized. Yeah. You've humanized yourself in a way that that is real. Yeah. It's super empowering. What is your third thought? It's super empowering. Yeah. My third thought is, so, so we talked about, you know, humans, And, you know, so my first book, that's why I really focus on is how do you use these six principles of strategic authenticity? Um, But then I had, I have a little bit of an authenticity hack that I'm writing my second book on. So I'm going to use that as my third actual thought. So the third is this, this little hack, it's called the 50% rule. And this was something organically that I was out teaching authenticity. And then I was building my own business completely like, lost and trying to figure out what the heck to do now as an entrepreneur and this sort of rule hatch and I started using it and I used it for myself and then I started using it naturally in some coaching sessions or just in conversation with others and so here's the 50% rule the 50% rule essentially says anytime you are consuming something learning something new listening to a podcast listen to this podcast uh reading mm-hmm. a book uh, taking a course talking to a mentor etc only take about 50% of what you learn. The other half will keep what feels good, what's aha, what's in alignment with your values, what what uh, seems to make sense. But the other half, bring in your own ideas, curate your own thoughts, uh, something you learn from this podcast versus that podcast, bring it in. And it sounds so stupid. You're, you're most, you know, most everybody listening is probably like, yeah, that's what I do. It isn't. I'm telling you, Mm -hmm. you have aspects of your life and where it sort of was born for me was coming into the entrepreneurial world, right? There is so much information thrown at you. Like, you know, and and the first time I really put this in practice, quite frankly, I was using Amy Porterfield's online course, right? The queen of all course creation courses. And (laughs) even though I was, had been a CEO, I was 40 some years old. Like I had my own thoughts. I was talking about authenticity. I got so freaking sucked in and wrapped into like, you got to do this and you got to move that and move that and never stop to think, you know, do a SWOT analysis, for example, and say, okay, 
what are her strengths? What are my weaknesses and vice versa? Like, what are things that she teaches that really just don't work for me or work for my brand that I could actually do better? You know, she, I remember she scripted everything. So I tried to script everything. I suck at reading a script, but I'm really good at improving. And maybe she's not so much. And this rule just keeps coming up and up and up just when you think, okay, so I just did a, this winter, a proposal for, for the book, right? And I was so excited to write this book. I had actually started writing some chapters, re-engaged my book coach, and I had to do the proposal. And I'm like, mother, oh, I do not want to do this thing, right? Like, <laughs> I know. And here's the thing. It wasn't, oh, I don't know what to do. I know right. what to do. I've taken courses. I've yes. got the templates, quote unquote. I know the things that need to be in there, right? I have the coloring book. And I still was miserable. And it was like, I don't want to freaking do this. And then I was like, you dumbass, 50% rule it. Like, what do you like about the proposal, you know, playbook that you have and others use? Do that. But what do you not like? Or what do you have? What do you have a better idea? So for example, I'm like, I have so many people that are so excited about this book. What if I did a little video? And just mm -hmm. my video guy did some interviews and we do a little compilation so they can feel why I'm writing this book. It's because all these people keep telling me to write this book because I keep using this stupid rule. And so it just keeps coming up and up again. I mean, I'll give you one more example. I mean, just when you think you've mastered it, I have this recurring back issue. And about every four months, I'm an idiot and I throw it out. And I got caught in this uh, physical therapy versus Cairo debate, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like if you've mm -hmm. ever had a back, you're like, I don't get yep. it. Which answer is right? And neither one of them like each other, right? And I don't mean personally, right. but you know, the <laughs> sure. physical therapist is like, you're not getting to the root cause. And the chiropractor is like, I can, I know all the mechanics and that, right? Yeah. And I kept- And every and, one and of your so, friends swears by the other. Yes. Right, right. Like, no, 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 you got to go. And I was even doing that. I had found this great physical therapist. I was like, no, no, you got to do physical therapy. Screw it. Because I had gone to a crappy chiropractor. And- Right. When it finally, and then I found this great chiropractor. And then I finally, I was like, I was like a cat watching a ping pong match. And then yes. I was like, you dumbass, 50% rule it. Like, what have yes. you learned from the physical therapist that you, yeah. you know, some basic principles, some core things that like in your core and all that stuff. And then what do you like about the chiropractor? You know, yeah. there were certain stretches. The physical therapist did not care about stretches. Yeah. Well, I like some of the stretches. And so yeah. I'm like, come up with your own formula to make your back better. Like only you can do that. And so yeah. that's, that, that's this sort of authenticity hack. When we talk about authenticity or anything in absolutes, right? It starts to yeah. feel fuzzy and fluffy unicorn doo-doo. But if you can take just the stupid, simple rule and, and, and anytime you're feeling like, I talk in the book about sleep running syndrome is kind of what we're trying to cure that we're all like we're running, but we're like yeah. sleeping and we're not, not remembering to, that we can kind of curate our own. But once you start to just stop and be like, how could I 50% rule this? It, there's so much relief. You, you no longer can, you're not, you can't compare yourself. Like I don't compare my course to Amy Porterfield's cause it's totally different. Like I do one of the modules yeah. in a bathtub. A Amy Porterfield yeah. does not do a module in her bathtub. I was close, but um, I don't compare myself. I'm like, oh, well hers sell more and are more rigid, but mine are, funny as heck and you know serve a different yeah. audience and you also just yeah. like like with the proposal it just makes it so much more fun so i actually like my book proposal i had a great time putting that thing together as soon as i did the 50 percent rule so that's my that's my third thought think about how you can use this 50 percent rule for your challenges well first off i use the one percent rule 
I use 99% <laughs> of your stuff. And then no. I just add a sprinkling of mine. <laughs> I, I changed the logo and the, I, it, it's funny. I'm going to turn it over to you because this is the music world. I think, you know, when I, when I left hard rock again, this is a little bit more in our inside baseball speaking world. Um, I felt so reliant on the company, on the brand. Although a lot of the concepts I wanted to talk about, I created while I was there. So you might even look at it as, you know, it's, um, you know, works that they would own in a lot of ways, but I'm telling that story. These are the things I got mm -hmm. from the brand. And then I'd sprinkle a couple of my things. And then eventually you wind up doing 90, 95% of your own stuff with a few stories from your past. But it's, it's pretty much like this in the music, right? The covers versus original story. I don't know if it's 50%, but it's the same concept, right? Yeah. Well, I, I honestly, Fluffy Unicorn Doo-Doo is the name of my next band, Aaron. Uh, thank you for that. Um, I'd be a backup I, dancer. I, I, I swear to God, that is a great band name. Could you imagine a t-shirt Fluffy Unicorn Doo-Doo? Oh, like, shit. I got to go trademark it now. You got to go trademark that. That's good. Write mm -hmm. that down. I just bought the domain. That's right. It's um, actually you know, on, it's it's actually on my website. Like I don't I don't, yeah. I don't like these things. You're covered. You're I've been talking Copy about it. I've been covered. Copyright's yeah. covered. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think that uh I, I love I just love the idea of of keeping 50% and, and sort of throwing out the rest, you know, and I, 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 it's so hard to do that. Right. And, and especially in a comparison driven world where, you know, I, I've been there with the chiropractor and the, you know, you, you find one that you really like, and then all of a sudden it's the, oh, well, hold this in your hand and then hold this pebble in your other hand. And I'm going to push your arm down. And if I can move your arm, then there's something wrong in your belly. And it's like, wait a minute, what the hell is this voodoo? Um, you know, I, I, I've voodoo, been there. There you go. Voodoo, yeah, that's doo -doo. right. Voodoo, doodoo. -doo. I'll buy that shirt. I'm noticing a theme here, Aaron. Um, doodoo -doo uh, is in all of her marketing. It's so weird. It's her next book. Yes. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I think that, the idea of searching for the stuff that's actually helping you and being useful to you. Um, but, but empowering people to create something for themselves that works for them. Right. So it's, you're not just taking the, the cookie cutter approach and, uh, this is what it is. You know, it's why, you know, the, I, I hate driving through neighborhoods that every house looks exactly the same. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, well, but the door color is different and the, the pitch of the roof is a little bit different. It's like, well, yeah, I guess, but I feel like I'm in a game of, you know, shoots and ladders over here. <laughs> Everything just looks the same. Um, and, uh, you know, we've gotten away from it because it's more cost effective to do this and because it's easier to do that. And, and when we build a box on a box, it's much easier. And it's like, if we could just go back to let's grab the stuff that, that is useful for us. And then we mix that together in a concoction that's useful for us mm -hmm. personally, not for the world in general, but just for us um, and empower ourselves to embrace that. I mean, I think that's the other real trick, right? Is, is it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to do it. Just like mm -hmm. you said all the time, you know, people, you'll, something will happen. You're like, yeah, okay, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Well, you, you might know it, but you're not doing it. And that's, that's the big difference. And mm -hmm. I think that empowering people to feel like they can take what's useful and leave what's not, um, mm -hmm. goes against all the things that you talked about before with the, you know, imposter syndrome and all of these things that you start questioning yourself. So I, I, I love the idea of using the stuff that's good to make 
whatever gumbo is going to be good for you and not necessarily <laughs> for anybody else. Gumbo yeah. doo-doo? Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, fluffy unicorn doo-doo. I'm telling you, I'd wear that t-shirt right now. Yeah, you would. You probably would. All right, done. Done. We do have okay. merch. So, all right. Yes. <laughs> so we have obviously been talking to the great Aaron Hatsikostas, um, not only on this topic of how to use authenticity as real superpowers and, and, and using it to your advantage. Uh, but I'm, I know you talked a little bit about this, Aaron, in your book, you know, you do you ish, which I'm excited to jump in. Uh, if people wanted to just get a little bit more information or buy the book or see what you do as a CEO and, and look at some of your videos, especially your TEDx video, where would you want us to send people? Yeah. Uh, so my company name is Be Authentic Inc. So if you go to just the letter B, authenticinc.com. And I would say, you know, forward slash um, playbook, ironically, is where you can get my my 10 authenticity plays. Um, mm, great. But also on the website, you can you can see more of my speaking. My TEDx is on there. There's probably at least two to three references to fluffy unicorn doo-doo sprinkled throughout. <laughs> um, and you can you can find you do you ish there as well, which I'm really proud of. It's um, it's it's funny. <laughs> Go figure. It's funny and it's powerful and. Uh, it's a quick read. So, you know, if you're into books too, um, I, I highly, I, that sounds weird, but I highly recommend it because people like it and it's, yeah. it's an audible awesome. as well. So, but be authentic awesome. is, is the best way. Yeah. Self awesome. did, made the sausage myself. Yep. I didn't, I, I didn't have any time to wait for anybody else. I was like, no, we got yeah. 11 months. Let's well, go. you would, you do you ish would have not had the same. It wouldn't have been you. It would have been, it would have been somebody else. Somebody else would have changed. Somebody title, else would change have changed 50% of that book and that's it right. wouldn't have been you. <laughs> we know, all, all of our exactly first right. books. Now that I think about that's it, we're self-published. That's, that's how, how it is. Well, listen, yeah. we are so thrilled that you were able to spend a little bit of time with us. You know, and again, sometimes we come up with the topic and we go, who do we know that would be great at solving this? And it's, it's nice to have somebody who lives in this space who, whether you call yourself an expert, you certainly have expertise. You talk about it. You write about it. It's really nice for people that are looking to sort of lean into more of that authenticity, but knowing that it could, in fact, be a, a strategic advantage to them, that that there might be some fantastic outcome um, you know, e even for me, just being inspired and motivated, listening to you. And now I can, I can think about more humility moments, um, that I'm sure Brant would like for me to, uh, engage in, uh, just to make our world better. So we can't thank you enough for just spending a little bit of time. You're fantastic. My pleasure. It was so great to meet you guys and be on with all your listeners. Same here. We'll talk to you soon. What, uh -oh. what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> Is you know those poop emoji pillows? If you just did it in like the multicolor and made it really fluffy, mm. that would be fluffy unicorn. There you've doo -doo. got your fluffy poop. unicorn doo doo. You could, that's you my could use it as like if a that's not knife. on your website by the end of the week. We're going to be that's highly merch disappointed that I would buy. And only you. That's, perhaps, that's the that's kind fine. of crap that derails me from doing the stuff I'm supposed to be but doing in my business, guys. Like writing the book. Thanks. Thanks for giving me another squirrel. I love that hey, stuff. That's uh, not a problem. Whatever revenue stream works for you is great. That's it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Aaron. Rock on. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are. 
grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. Das That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Grant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsetrock.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on! Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.